Hi, this is Karin Zissis of ASCOA Online. Chile's presidential runoff between the right's José Antonio Cast and the left's Gabriel Boric is leaving many voters feeling like orphans with no political home. And that raises a fundamental question about what type of democracy Chile wants when voters head to the polls on December 19th. In this interview, Paula Escobar Chavarria, a host at CNNE in Chile and columnist at La Tercera, talks with my colleague, Holly Sunderland. They discuss what makes a candidate extreme and how caste and Boric risk alienating women voters. The journalist and professor also gets into the parallels between Chile's 2021 presidential race and the first vote in which she participated, the 1988 referendum that ended the Pinochet dictatorship. You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latino America in Foco. America Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Thank you, Paula, so much for joining us today. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, surprise of the first round presidential vote on November 21st was this third place finish of Franco Parisi, who campaigned from Alabama, um, of all places. And his candidacy is truly one of the most bizarre I think I've ever heard of in that he has not set foot in Chile since 2020. And this is because he apparently owes over a quarter of a million dollars, U.S. dollars, in alimony and child support. And were he to enter the country, he would not be able to leave again um, per a court order. Um, I wanted to start kind of using your column from this week as a launch point um, about Franco Parisi and both Jose Antonio Cast and Gabriel Boric's potential outreaches to him um, and his voters. So why is it a liability for Cast and Boric to try and woo his supporters? Well, thank you so much for having me in this podcast. I'm, I'm very I'm very excited to to be part of this conversation. And as you said, uh, it's it's very risky for both of them to embrace this candidate, but it's an you know, it's a candidate that has two main characteristics in my in my opinion. First of all, and the most important for me, is that he has failed to pay the child support money that the court decided that he was in debt for. Uh, his uh, ex-wife. So he's someone that is really in debt for millions of pesos with his former wife and for the uh, alimony of their kids. So that's the first thing. I mean, he's been a, a presidential candidate without paying that. And second one, he has never been in Chile during the whole presidential campaign. He's doing all this via Zoom, but he uh, obtained the, the third place it was really, really something very strange for all of us. And uh, on the other hand, all his discourse is against uh, traditional politics. So he's all the time talking about how, you know, traditional politics, political parties are all corrupt, are all, you know, uh, uh, must be not only repaired, but they must be replaced by people like him that don't belong to any political party, even though he funded a new one and he has now six uh, representatives in Congress. So 
why is a risk because you know for two things first in a in an election where the the women's vote is very important because you know uh, gender agenda in chile is very very strong nowadays both candidates are alienating women's uh, voters by you know giving this kind of legitimacy to this uh, candidate that is putting on his wife what we call economic violence but by not paying you know, you mentioned them reaching out to Parisi complicates their positions with Chilean women. What are some of the other parts of their campaigns that have kind of complicated that relationship? Well, in the case of Cast, mainly, he's a candidate from the far right. Uh, he doesn't like to be called uh, uh, ultra or extreme right. But, uh, you know, in the opinion of several academics in Chile, uh, he's from the same political or ideological family than uh, Donald Trump or Bolsonaro or people like, like them. And in the past, you know, uh, Jose Antonio Cas has been very vocal supporting both Bolsonaro and Donald Trump. So, uh, and his discourse uh, at the beginning, because now he's changing his program as uh, Gabriel Boric also is doing, they're changing and moderating their, their original programs. Uh, but the, the, the original program and the main uh, narrative of Jose Antonio Cast is a very conservative one. So, for example, he, he declared that he was going to eliminate the Minister for Women in Chile, as in a way of saying that it, it was not necessary and it was going to be replaced by a Ministry of Family. You know, first thing. Second one, he said he was going to give benefits to women that were married, not for uh, single women. In a country where a lot of single women, they raise their children without, uh, without husbands and without any kind of support, because these Parisi kind of, of, of men are, are uh, you know, unfortunately very, very common here in Chile. What is, really quick, what was Cast's rationale for saying he only wanted to give benefits to married women and not single women? That he wants to uh, make, uh, you know, a nuclear traditional family stronger. So it, he said that, you know, that in Chile now was easier to 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 get any, uh, you know, help from the state if you were single and you didn't marry. So his main purpose is he he wants, you know, nuclear traditional family to be fortified and to support that kind of of family uh, in spite of other forms of families or you know single mothers or single parents that's why he was also again same sex marriage or things like that it, it's a, you know it's a very conservative and he's very uh, he's, uh, he's very catholic and he has nine kids so that kind of mindset he's putting that of course anyone can think and do and live the way they want as a, as an individual but uh, you know, to try to put that kind of idea in a, you know, in a state where church and, and state are, are divided, it's, it's not a good thing if you want to, to get women's votes, especially, as I said, in a country where a lot of women are not married and most children uh, are born uh, outside marriage. So he wanted to give a very clear statement about that, that he wants, uh, you know, women and, and, fam and traditional families to be supported. And so then how about Boric? Um, because I know he is definitely a more, he's a progressive candidate and has policies that might favor women more, but then he's also, he's had some kind of lingering accusations of sort of, I don't know exactly how you would qualify them, sexual harassment, intimidation, those types of things. So the thing about the accusations against Boric are very, are very hard to really judge because 
uh, it was an accusation, uh, a vague accusation, in the sense that it was not clear what was the misconduct that was, um, uh, you know, put against him, but it was made on social media only. So it was one tweet for from a woman that, uh, you know, afterwards deleted the tweet, and it had two responses by two people close to Boric saying that that was true, and that was months ago. So the case came to light now when the woman that denounced this was not available, has never been available to confirm the accusations or to say exactly what were the accusations concretely. And she has not been available to talk to any kind of media. So we only have what she put on Twitter months ago. And the other two women that at the moment, uh, you know, gave credibility to the accusation, they, they didn't want to talk either because they said that the accuser didn't want this to go, uh, you know, to be talked about and that she, want, she didn't want to have publicity over this thing. So at the end, as reporters, it was very, it was impossible to confirm or deny what happened because we don't have a, a, a denouncer even on or off the record to say, okay, this is what happened and there's going to be any kind of process. So I think it's something that remained very, very unclear. He said he was completely open to any kind of investigation, whether it was in the public system in you know, judicial system or inside the party, but there's no, uh, you know, there, there's no clarity about what happened, to whom, and if this accusation made on social media only remains uh, open or not. The program of Gabriel Boric, and that is a part of the program that is not going to be changed, uh, is is uh, is defined by himself and by his team as a feminist one. So, you know, feminism is in the core of the program in the sense of really uh, fighting inequalities and and giving opportunities to all women and to all kinds of families, and to recognize that uh, diversity that Chilean society already has. And uh, his uh, for his uh, for quotas in all you know in in public institutions also in, also in private ones, he's also you know for uh, reproductive full reproductive and sexual rights. Uh, you know now in Chile it's only uh, it's you know a woman is only allowed to have an abortion in case of uh, that her life is threatened or or you know the the fetus is uh, is not viable or in case of rape three very extreme cases and so he's for a full approval of abortion rights i have to say that jose antonio cas one of his proposals was to ban the authorization to uh, for abortion in case of violation or or the other two ones that i mentioned so that's that's one thing also so boric is is you know, in that sense, very much aligned to the interests of uh, of children, women, and also what is being debated in the conventional constitution that is, you know, writing a new constitution for Chile, where, uh, you know, all the women's movement want a full participation, especially because it's a, it's a convention that for the first time in, in the, in the world's history, is, is, uh, its composition is, has gender parity. So I want to go back to one point, you mentioned that you know, Cast is considered far right, although he himself rejects that label of being, you know, ultra or extreme. Um, how do you, you know, as a journalist kind of evaluate if a candidate is extreme or from the far end of a political spectrum? And do you see Cast and Boric as being equally um, extreme? Well, uh, that's a very important question because it's, it's now it's part of the debate whether, you know, his, uh, as his economic advisors, they are saying that, Jose Antonio Cas is not like Trump, he's like Ronald Reagan, for example, like a right 
doing traditional or you know kind of a figure but i think that from uh it's important here that it's not a word on on what kind of adjectives we are using but it's about what how you can define that kind of thinking so he was uh, he belonged to the traditional right-wing parties here in chile he belonged to udi he was a congressman for that party but then he resigned and he created his own party republicanos that it's at the you know at the right of the chilean right so that makes him of course the in, in the extreme end of the right uh, in chile uh, and i think his policies policies against migrants for example caving you know a, a big uh, sanja around the trenches you know to to uh, to make it impossible to come here or he's he's very tough on migration he's very tough on human and on women's rights he's uh, for traditional uh, you know nuclear family he's for you know in a country that after the social upheaval we have to give more social rights to people you know that's is a transversal way of thinking now in chile that we have to move forward uh, he's for cutting uh, taxes so uh, in that sense it's an agenda and also in the way he speaks he's very provocative so i think he's much uh, he he behaves differently from bolsonaro trump he's you know he has good manners and he's not uh, saying all these terrible things and, and and that donald trump said but Cristóbal Rovira and other professors here in Chile, they have defined that Cas is a far-right candidate, as The Economist is saying, and uh, all, all the other media outlets. And, uh, and he belongs to that kind of uh, political, ideological family, in a different way, of course, in a different version. But you can say that they belong to that, uh, that same arena. And I have to say another thing that is very, very serious about Jose Antonio Cas is that uh, in the, you know, in the first program, he said that he wanted to um, to close the Institute for Human Rights in Chile. So, you know, and he declares himself uh, an admirer of Pinochet and he was a, a supporter of Pinochet during the dictatorship and afterwards also. So that makes you, you know, a, a kind of political project that is very clear in, in my view that it's, you know, extreme right. And I think that's accurate because his uh, project his political project uh, towards migrants toward women's rights human rights uh, cutting taxes and things like that uh, makes him very very close to the ideological projects of people like donald trump or jade bolsonaro and and, and other ones all over the world and maybe he has different manners he doesn't have bad manners as some of them have um but this is not a thing about manners it's about you know political project and if uh, in, in this sense i agree with professors like Cristóbal rovira and other ones that study these radical right populisms all over the world and they think he belongs to the same family and i agree with that i think it's accurate of course this is a different version of that but i think it's accurate to say that he belongs to extreme right uh, spectrum in chile and on the other hand you have gabriel boric and he i would say that the the other extreme end of the political in this case left in chile it would be for a communist party not for gabriel boric that he's not a member of the communist party so if the you know if the rival of gabriel boric who was uh, a communist party member mayor should have won the primary between them we could say that we have two equally extreme candidates one from the left and one from the right 
in the in the next election. But Gabriel Boric, he defeated, you know, the Communist Party candidate of his own coalition. Daniel Hadway. Yeah, Daniel Hadway, because he had a much moderate kind of program. And I think he's closer to, uh, you know, a, a version of social uh, democracy, European social democracy, maybe a more, more uh, strong one, because of course there are grades of social democracy in the world, but I think he's definitely a Democrat. That uh, that is that is true. I mean, he's a Democrat, and I think he's uh, and he's not a member of the Communist Party. In fact, he was the rival of the Communist Party candidate in his, in the primary of his coalition. Yes. So although I think some are still noting that the Communist Party does make up a significant block within his coalition in Congress, so they think, you know, they might have more influence there. But what are what were some of the policy distinctions or ways that um, Boric still now might distinguish himself or separate himself from different Communist Party policies? Well, I think this second this is a new election, really, you know, what we're having now in the sense that both candidates are rewriting their programs. And of course, Boric, I think he understood because of the success of Jose Antonio Cast in the first round that he needed to uh, to change, to make some changes because people in Chile, they really want uh, transformation. They really want change. They really want to have more social rights and less inequality, but they want that done in a way that is not scary you know they, they they need to have some kind of certainty that is going to be uh, all these changes are going to be done in peace and with some kind of order and i think the other thing he didn't read well in the first round was that people they, they really want some more you know order in the public places so uh, they, they really want their lives to go on and without that kind of you know uh control of what's happening in the public space is very difficult to have that especially in, in more vulnerable neighborhoods. So that's the thing he's doing. His, uh, in his team now, he has very well-known center-left uh, economists. So I think he's doing this shift. Of course, in this moment, all, all both candidates are offering a lot of changes. So we might be very skeptical about what's going to be really uh, the reality when they win. Who is going to be? The face is going to be the one of the first round or the second round. And, but... On the other hand, I think the message has been very clear because in Congress we have, in the Senate, for example, we have a 50-50 uh, distribution of power between the center-right and the center-left and the left. So in the new Chilean uh, political landscape, dialogue is going to be necessary. And I would say um, not moderation, but to do things in a way that the people that are not uh, the winners in this election don't feel alienated by this, uh, this situation and that they also feel part of the same country. And so just to wrap up, I wanted to get your take, um, you know, as a journalist and a Chilean about what this election means at this moment, you know, in time for Chile and for its democracy, you know, it's happening at the same time that a constituent assembly is rewriting the constitution um, that was sparked by massive protests two years ago. Uh, so I was wondering just what your take is, what you see, um, this election signifying or representing? Well, it's a very special election. I think it reminds me of what happened, you know, in the 88 referendum when we had to decide yes or no for Pinochet. In, in some sense, it has the same, uh, you know, uh, importance for, for Chilean people, or for me at least. 
Uh, on the other hand, I think it's very hard for me to, to understand why for the first time after the return of democracy, we don't have a center-left candidate in the, in the ballot. Uh, so the center, both, both center-right and center-left, is not present now in the second round. And it's very hard because a lot of people feel they don't have a political address. They don't feel represented by uh, these two political projects that are very radical for what Chilean political landscape was in these 30 years after the return of democracy. So that's one thing. And I think, of course, what, in my opinion, the center, the center right, center left, this feeling of, of people that now they are orphans of political representation must be filled and must be rebuilt for the next uh, presidential election in four, in four more years. And as a Chilean, I feel that we have to really understand and cherish our history. You know, I voted for the first time in my life in the 88 referendum. I was 18 years old. And I really know what, what how was Chile like when we didn't have democracy? How was it like to live in a dictatorship? So I think we must really, with all the things that we don't like about how democracy is, is now in Chile, we have to treasure having a democratic system. We have to protect that democracy and we have to understand that the only way that this country can move forward is to create uh, a system where everyone is protected, where there are not there there are not such enormous differences between people that have and and, and people that don't have access to health, education, uh, pensions, because that's the only sustainable society. And I would like that to be a shared project, not to be only important for one kind of. Of, of people. And I hope that after this, the turmoil of elections and all the things that, that happened, the anxieties and the fears and all that, after that, the day after, uh, we can be able to create a majority of people for changes made in peace, made in order with certainty. But to do, you know, to do that uh, thing that we have to do to move forward, you know, a state that can build a more equal society, but without destroying what we have. So that would be my, the, the main concern that I have is that we understand our history that, and, and we have clear lessons to take from that uh, and to move forward. And I think in one sense, if you allow me, you know, when I was at Yale University, everyone was saying to me, oh, Chile is the example of Latin America. And now people are asking me what happened to Chile. And I would say that what happened to us, I think it's very important for a lot of countries that changes, you know, towards a more uh, fair society must be made at, at the moment where, you know, when you have to do them. If you pass that moment, it's very risky. And that happened here with the social upheaval. You know, people get really, really enraged and, and very disappointed about democracy. And then all these things can happen. And I think it's very important for us to, you know, to build and create and vote for democratic people that can deliver uh, what people need and they deserve to have a better life. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today and we look forward to following your coverage and the election. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Karen Zissis. This episode was produced by Sofia Mancia. Read more about Chile's vote in our election guide at as-coa.org slash 2021. 
The music in this episode was recorded at America Society in New York City. For more about upcoming concerts online, visit musicoftheamericas.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can help us spread the word by writing us a review, giving us five stars, sharing, and subscribing at Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.